are continuing a sermon series this morning, and it is called Advent. I know, catchy, catchy. It's original. Work with me. But it's about watching and waiting. Advent is a season where we prepare for the arrival of something, and that something is Jesus Christ's second coming. So however we are this morning, I want you to think about what am I doing in this season as though he's coming back tomorrow or maybe even today. So here's where we've been. Here's where we're going. Uh, we talked about waiting for it. We talked about Simeon sees, which is kind of ironic because the cantata thing just had Simeon in there. And now you know the rest of the story, like Paul Harvey would say. Today, it's never too late. Then we're going to be talking about blessed and you made a mistake. So this morning, we are talking about it's never too late when God is involved. And I want to start with a question. How many of you have ever questioned God? I am chief among you. I got to tell you that. Uh, I, I questioned God when I, I had this other career. Um, you may have heard about it. I always talk about it. And, and over 21 years, I did this career in, in the Air Force, and I felt like I had a purpose. I felt like I had a meaning. It turns out I was actually pretty good at teaching people to fly and blow stuff up. And so I felt fulfilled in a weird sort of way. But I also felt like there was something bigger that was calling me uh, that had even more purpose and more meaning. And so I followed what I thought was God's leading. So, well, I'll, get out. I'll retire from this Air Force. I'll get out. I could have continued. But no, I just decided to retire, get out of the Air Force, go to seminary, drag my family from Germany to Kentucky. How many people have been to Kentucky? Yeah, okay. So you know what that, that culture shock was like, right? Yeah. So my girls who traveled the world now ended up in the tiny little town in Kentucky. You can imagine how, that, how popular I was as a dad, right? And then I went through seminary, and somehow I thought that God would just pave this way for this wonderful thing to happen, and I would enjoy the same amount of success and purpose and meaning as I had the last 21 years in the Air Force. And you know what happened? That didn't happen. And I began to question God. God, did I hear you right? Did you, did you call me to ministry? Did you call me to this place? Because I'm not seeing where your plan is. I'm not really feeling that same sense of purpose. I'm, and quite frankly, I'm way worse at this than I was at flying and blowing stuff up. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but, you know, we're working on it. And then WordServe called Bolt out of the blue, and they said, hey, we need a guy to come down here. Would you be interested? I said, sure. My daughters are all in Texas. I'll follow them there. This is great. Okay, this is where God's plan kicks in. And I was going to make this big impact, and the world was going to change, and WordServe was going to grow to be this tremendous influence in the community. And uh, I don't know if you've looked around, but we're not like a huge influence in the community. We're, we're, a, we're an influence in the community, but it's not what I expected, right? Now, I, I say all this just to be honest with you. I'm telling you the truth. I, I question God. And there for a time, uh, those of you who know the, the story, went to part-time, started my own company, did all this other stuff. And I thought, I'm just going to be honest with you. I thought maybe I had made a mistake and maybe I was done. And I questioned God a lot in the time. I said, God, why would you call me to this? Why would you have me give up this, this career where I felt purpose and meaning? Why would you have me, worst of all, drag my family to Kentucky? I'm sorry if you're watching from Kentucky. I, we love you. <laughs> it actually worked out to be a good thing. Why would you drag us all over and do all this and then have no fruit in that? I questioned God. And you know what I learned in the process? Everybody questions God. That's not the real issue. The real issue is going to come up later. But I pause at this point to say, hey, I am good. I don't want you to worry about me. I am good. I am solid. Me and God are great. 
and we've got great plans going forward. I, I, I don't question in the same way that I used to, but I bet you question God because you raised your hand. So maybe you question God because of a certain relationship that you're in or that you were in. Maybe it didn't go the way you expected. Maybe God didn't really call you to that relationship. Is that what you're feeling? Or, or maybe it's just not what you hoped and dreamed that it would be. And we question God. Maybe it's a job. Oh, if I just get this job, everything will be great. I'll make all this money. We won't have any worries. The family will get along. Uh, you know, Jesus will come again. It'll be great. And then you get the job. And it's not what you expected. And you begin to question God. God, did you put me here? Am I supposed to be here? Is there another place that you're calling me to? It's okay to question God. And maybe for those of you who are younger, you're questioning about the school. Boy, if I could just get this schedule or this teacher, or if this boy would just ask me to this, or if I could just ask this girl to that, or you get the idea. And then it's not what you expected. Or, or maybe if I just had this thing that I do and I get this circle of friends and it'll be awesome and it turns out it's not so awesome. And you begin to question. It's okay to question. I don't want you to think that it's bad to question God. But there's a line that we can cross where it starts to not be okay. Now, hear this. God will do what God will do, regardless of how we react, regardless of whether we believe, regardless of whether we question. God will do what God will do. But here's the damage that gets done when we cross the line that I'm about to talk about. We diminish God's voice in our lives. And the less we hear God, the more likely we are to make even more mistakes that we'll question even more. So the, the key objective for this morning is to identify what is that line that we cross when we begin to question God, and how do we prevent that from happening so that we can fully hear and then follow God? Because I, I can make two guarantees. If you listen, if we listen, God will direct. And if God directs and we follow, here's my other guarantee. <laughs> it's going to be hard. I'm sorry to break this news to you. It's not going to be a bed of roses. It's going to be difficult. It's going to pull you out of your comfort zone. It's going to make you sweat. It might keep you up at night. It might make you tense and anxious for no reason. But this is what God calls us to. And if we will go through, there's also a great reward that we'll talk about as well. So after all that buildup, what in the world are you going to talk about today, Bill? Well, here it is. I want to introduce you to this guy. This guy's name is Zechariah. Anybody know who Zechariah is? What's he famous for? Yeah, he's the father of John the Baptist. I think that's a pretty good uh, thing to put on your resume, right? So to give you a little bit of background of who Zechariah is, he's a priest. Uh, he drew lots to see who was going to be on duty, and he got the duty. And as he is in the, the tabernacle, as it were, uh, he gets a visitor. Now, understand in ancient times how they dealt with uh, this holy holy area. If you were a priest going into that area, they would tie a rope onto you and a bell uh, because they were so worried that, like, if God shows up, you're going to die, right? And so as long as they heard the bell, they knew you were still alive. And if they didn't hear the bell and they tugged on the rope, they could still get you out without them dying. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I just thought that was funny. Anyway. So, but they were very serious about this, and Simeon is a very devout person. He's been doing this priest thing for a long time. His wife, Elizabeth, is very devout as well. They just have one small issue between them. Elizabeth is barren. She cannot bear a child. 
Now, in that time, that was a big deal because that was how you passed everything that you owned, your family name, your property, your family business, all of that passed through the heirs. And if you could not produce an heir, it was actually looked on from their society as, as a letdown and mainly shame and guilt on that individual. So Elizabeth was hurt. She was lonely. Uh, Zechariah was thinking maybe he'd done something to disfavor God. And so his constant prayer had been for a child for years and years. Now they're old at this time. They're very, very old. And that's where the story picks up. As Zechariah is doing his priestly duties, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 11. <clears throat> As Zechariah is doing his priestly duties, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. These are the words of God for the people of God. And for these words, we are grateful. Did you catch everything that happened there? How many of you have been visited by an angel? Yeah, me either. I, I can't imagine what that must be like. No less Gabriel. You know, Gabriel is kind of a big thing. And the first thing that comes out of Gabriel's mouth is, hey, don't be afraid. But right after that, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. That should be good news, right? What's he been praying for? He's been praying for an heir. He's been praying for a, a baby. Your prayer has been heard, and it's going to happen. Not only is it going to happen, it's not like you just get a, a, a child out of this deal. This child is going to be major. This child is going to have the power of the prophet Elijah. This this child is going to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, the one that makes straight the way of, the God, of Jesus Christ. This child will turn the hearts of many in Israel. He will lead literally a national revival. This child that you have prayed for is coming. And then what is Zechariah's response? I think I didn't catch up with my words there. My bad. This is Zechariah's response. How can I be sure of this? See, Zechariah is questioning God. But what is the angel's response? What, what did the angel tell him? You're not going to speak until this happens. So here's what happens. Zechariah, who is faithful and devout, and as a priest in the Holy of Holies, has prayed, and the angel appears and tells him, everything you've prayed for is going to come true. And he asks, how can I be sure of this? And he gets a free nine-month supply of shut up. Right? 
So, so, so if you just look at it from that perspective, you should say, well, I should never question God. No, that's not true. The problem is Zechariah, the priest, who knows God and knows the history of Israel and has either known or seen God at work, is doubting that God can do what God said he would do. See, there's the line. There's the line we cross. It's okay to question. But once we begin to start to doubt God, that's where we start to not hear God. I don't know if you catch the irony in this, but the one who was going to be born was going to be the voice in the wilderness. The, the, the words that he would use would lead a national revival and turn many people. The words that he would use would make straight the way of the Lord so that when Jesus comes, people would recognize him. All these words that his son was going to say, and he has none. He has no words for nine months. And to make it worse, just to rub in, here's a little irony twist for you. What's the whole purpose of an angel? They're a messenger. What do messengers do? They say things. They say words, prophetic words with profound blessings. So the word spoke to Zechariah, who's going to have the word, and Zechariah is right in the middle with no words for nine months. That's the line that gets crossed when we begin to doubt that God will do what God said he will do. And so that becomes the, the, the secret. And I want to show a couple of examples where people have asked questions and, and there's a difference in doubt, just so we have some examples to, to uh, compare. So we'll start with Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. How can I be sure of this? That, that doubting of God is the line that he crossed, and because of that, he can't speak. Now, fortunately, it's got a, a shelf life on it. Nine months when the son's born, we'll go again, and you can speak again, and sure enough, he does. And the first thing that he says uh, that he's able to say after nine months of silence is, his name will be John. Now, isn't it ironic that the first words that he speaks are the very words that God told him to say? I don't think that's an accident. I think that's nine months of learning how to not doubt God, is what I think. I don't know how Elizabeth felt about those nine months. She's probably like, <laughs> can't, can't say a word, all right. <laughs> And, and the irony that we've already talked about. I can also see, like, at the 10-month point, Elizabeth's going, you know, I liked you better when you couldn't talk. That, that's, anyway. <laughs> so let's compare Zechariah with another famous question that you have probably heard with Mary, the mother of Jesus. As Mary is visited by an angel, guess what angel? Same one. Gabriel visits Mary. He tells her that, hey, you're going to have a child, and he is going to be the son of the living God, and you will name him Jesus. Now, her question is, how will this happen? What do you notice about the difference between her question and Zechariah's question? She believes it's going to happen. It's not, how might this happen or could this happen? It's, how will this happen? She's not doubting that God's going to do it. She just has a question of mechanics because she's not married. And that's where I'll leave that. <laughs> so I don't understand how this works, cause, but how will this happen? And then after the angel tells her how it will happen, as the, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Almighty, will overshadow you, her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. There is no doubt. There is no hesitation. There is no holding back. There is no wondering, huh, can God really do this? No, how will this happen? And it happens. And if you know anything about Mary's life, it was not an easy life. There was nothing about her life that was easy. Especially if you look at the prophecies that told, as we heard last week from Simeon, that yes, this child is going to be great. He's going to 
He's going to be a stumbling block to some. He's going to be a cornerstone to others. And he will pierce your heart also. Despite all of that, Mary's response is, let it be to me according to your word. There's that speaking again. Something about God's voice has great power. So we're going to talk about words for just a second. And, and there are three words that you can live by that will absolutely change your life. I guarantee you. Three words that you can live by are God, me, and serve. And here's the trick. You have to put them together in the right order. Now, many people don't have God in their lives. So you got to take God out of the equation. All you got is serve me. So, so <laughs> that's the way most people think. Serve me. Society should serve me. Family should serve me. My employer should serve me. Does this sound familiar? How many of you are parents? <laughs> How many kids think, yeah, you should serve me? Kids, they got some news for you. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Right? By the way, it doesn't work that way anywhere else, right? Nowhere do you just go and say, you should serve me, and people go, okay, you know what? You're right. I should. Does anybody have that, that set up? Because... Let me know. Uh, no? Yeah, that's what I thought, right? Me serve me. No, that doesn't work. Here's where most people, though, we're going to put God in the equation because we're assuming that we're talking to people that at least know that God exists. So here's the first way that we can put this together. And by the way, I think this is the way that most people do it. Serve me, God. Is God our genie in a bottle? Is God our vending machine where I put my prayer request in, go, I want this? No, that, I, that hasn't worked out for me. I put my request in, and I pull the lever, and I usually get something else that I didn't ask for. <laughs> and it's hard, and, and it's difficult, and it takes me out of my comfort zone. All those things I said earlier, but you know what? In the end, it's way better than the thing that I thought I wanted. But when we use this serve me, God, we've got to take into account three different things, the timing, the logic, and the self-focus. And if you're asking this question, or if you're telling this statement, I should say, serve me, God, then who's God in this equation? That's why I put the picture of the, the kid with the crown, right? That, I think, is how God sees us when we, we take on this mentality. This is a spoiled little kid who thinks that they're king or queen. Oh, he's got it all about himself or herself, but it's all wrong. So we've got to take these three things into account, timing, logic, and self-focus. Timing. If I'm, in God, if I'm in charge and I say, serve me, God, what's my timeline? Now, because we're not very good at patience. But you know, sometimes now is not the right answer. And sometimes now is not the right answer because the situation around you isn't right. Sometimes now is not the right answer because you're not ready for what you're asking for. Sometimes now is not the right answer because the people around you aren't ready for what you're asking for. And so if we drive the timeline, we mess up very intricate and broad plans, like a plan that is big enough to, I don't know, save the whole world. I can't even save myself. Why would I institute my timeline on the one who can save the world? The other thing we take into account is logic. My logic is not God's logic, and thank God for that. There's something you can be grateful for. See, the way I think that things should work and the way that I think they should turn out is not the way that God thinks it turns out. I have definite ideas. God has higher ideas, as it says in Isaiah 55. My ways are not your ways, 
my thoughts are not your thoughts. There's something much greater at work. And when we limit ourselves to our logic, we limit ourselves to what is possible. The last thing is the self-focus. In this world of serve me God, it's all about me. If you take all these things into account, it would be the equivalent of a private in the army telling a general how he should do his or her job. Right? I can just see it now. You know, uh, I'm from nowhere in the middle of the United States, and I, I barely graduated high school, General, but here's how I see it. You should do this at this time, and don't use my unit because that's too risky. I might get hurt. Use them. Good talk, General. Thank you so much. What would happen to that person? Right? Yeah, they'd be in the brig in no time at all because that's not the way it works, and everybody understands that. So why do we do it differently with God? Serve me, God, is not the right way. So can we arrange these words in a different way that makes it a little better? I think we can. Any guesses? Ooh, nice. Me, serve God. Uh, from English teachers out there, my apologies. <laughs> but you get the idea. It sounds very Tarzan, like, me, serve God. Yes, man. All right, so again, with timing logic, and, and now the focus shifts completely because the timing is God's timing, and i got to tell you, that is frustrating because my timeline is never God's timeline, and it just frustrates me to no end. But it always works out better. My logic, we've already talked about. God has a plan that is going to save the entire world. I can't even save myself, so maybe he has the better view on this, and maybe I get out of his way and volunteer to serve him wherever he wants me to go, even if it means leaving some lucrative career, even if it means taking your family to a little tiny town in Kentucky, even if it means serving in a capacity where you don't see what you used to enjoy and have yet. And there's the important word, yet. It's God's timing. It's not my timing. It's God's logic. It's not my logic. And I get into this pity party anytime I get that self-focus because it's me, 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 me. And it's not coming in time and it's not the way I would do it. But if I can lift myself up out of that me focus into an other focus, and that starts, by the way, when me serve God is the way that I conduct myself. Me serve God lifts me up into a greater purpose. There's the purpose and meaning again. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, you're looking for purpose and meaning, try me serve God you'll find a greatest purpose that has ever been invented. You'll find a deeper meaning. You can't find a deeper meaning, in fact. You can't find freedom that lasts forever. You can't find a, a, when death was arrested and your life began. This is, there is no greater purpose and meaning, folks. This is what you were built for by the one who built you. Me serve God is the answer to that, and the other focus is what brings us up out of that pity party. <clears throat> it also allows God to conduct his plan through us. Will God's plan be thwarted because of what we do or don't do? Nope. But if I don't listen and I don't hear God's voice and I doubt that God will do what he says he'll do, then maybe that passes to someone else. It'll still get done, but I won't be a part of it because I'm over here in my self-focused little kingdom which is not going so great, by the way. So, what do we do with all this? Well, <clears throat> here's the thing, word serve. 
I firmly believe that God has placed us in this place at this time for a purpose, for a great purpose. Did you realize that we're in one of the fastest growing counties in the United States? Did you realize that people are pouring in here day by day? Drive out in any direction, wait a month, drive out in the same direction, and there'll be a whole neighborhood that didn't used to be there. Anybody else gotten lost like that before? That's why I went up 359 the other day. I was like, I don't know where I'm at. Uh, none of this was here the last time I was here. This place is exploding. But we're also in a time in our national history when people are spiritually seeking, and I would say spiritually dry. They're looking for something. And we have the answer. We have Jesus Christ to offer them, the good news of Jesus Christ. So I think God has placed us here in this rapidly growing place and has prepared us to spread this message of the good news of Jesus Christ. So it behooves us to get on board with the mission of God and stop being in our little self-pity party, and I'm speaking for myself. Is it okay to question God? Absolutely. The uh, Bible's full of it. But when we begin to cross that line of doubt, we begin to diminish what God can do in and through us because we start to lose his voice. And if we lose his voice, what good news do we have to share? We begin to lose our voice. And then the theme of America, the theme of the world becomes the sound of silence. Anybody know the first line of that song? Hello, darkness, my old friend. That's where that leads. And so words of my prayer, my earnest prayer, is that as we prepare this Advent season, that we would go into the full me-serve-God mode. There's another way that somebody else famously said, here am I. Send me, Lord. Is it okay to question God? Yeah, absolutely. Does it hurt us when we doubt God? Yeah, it diminishes what he can do through us, not because he's diminished, but because we're diminished. Is it worth waiting? Is it worth following Christ on his great mission? I think so. And if you don't believe me, ask Zechariah. Just be prepared. Nine months wait for the answer. Will you pray with me, please? <clears throat> God, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the many things that he has done and is doing in our lives. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides us, that reminds us of everything that he said, that teaches us, that advocates for us. God, as we go through our daily lives, it's sometimes hard for us to see where you're at work because your timeline is so different, because your logic is so much different. So God, my prayer is not that we have to fully understand everything that you do, because I don't think that we can. But God, my prayer is that you would show us clearly just the next step. That's all we ask for, the next step. Give us the courage to take that next step. Give us ears that are in tune with you. And when that doubt comes up, that doubt that you will do what you said you would do, help it to be erased. Because of everything that you've done that is written in scripture, because of everything that you're doing, if we would just open our eyes to see the world around us. And because of the great need that lies right here in our community, with tons of people moving in, but with spiritual dryness. God, if we are praying for rain, then we'd best be preparing the fields. So help us to prepare those fields right now. Help us to make straight the way of the Lord as you speak through us, as you live through us, guide us, give us courage, and most of all, give us your love. In Jesus' name.